Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. You know, ladies, there is so much gold in this room and there's so much gold in your hearts and in your futures that God wants you to do and that he wants to call out and draw out from you tonight. And I just want to encourage you to listen with your hearts tonight and just speak to your hearts and say, don't miss a thing because your father never wants to discourage you. He always wants to encourage you to run, to reach, to be in that place of closeness, of of more um, beauty with him. So, it's so cool. We have Fiona coming to speak. Give it a big welcome. Wow, so cool. You're awesome. Yeah, sure. Hello, hello. I am from just along the road. I kind of grew up with Lindsay. Maybe just a wee bit ahead of her. She grew up with Nicola. Nicola I brought here from Dundee. She's one of our strongest leaders in our church. Do you know, I am not that small. Is there (laughs) any chance? They grow as tall in Dundee. (laughs) Some of us. I have three girls. Just give you a bit of background. I have an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old. My 16-year-old is taller than me. If you think I'm tall, she's taller. My granny was six foot one. Because they always look at me and go, you're really tall. Joe, my, my parents were missionaries and my dad used to go to India. And when I went out to India, they thought I was a jolly green giant. <laughs> For your information, I'm five foot nine. So, no, I'm not going to go there. I can't. Don't worry, we'll really? I'm really not that small, honestly. Do you know, it's so good to come and be with you ladies. It really is. And when I'm watching Nick Lindsay, I think she has done an incredible job. Do you know what, can I just say, I'm, I'm getting myself all fangled here. When you take on a church, it's not an easy thing to do. And what Jimmy and Elma built here is absolutely incredible. We'd first of all like to honor Elma and all that Elma's done over the years in the building of this church. (laughs) Pastoring isn't easy. And when I see a pastor, I always want to encourage them because I know the crap that they take at times. I'm, I'm allowed to be real with you. And also want to honor you, Lindsay, for, for taking on the mantle. Well done to you and, uh, and Aaron. That's what you call him, Aaron. Aaron. That man that you married. <laughs> Keep going. Never give up. God will always be right there with you. And you are one crazy anointed lady. You really are. Do you know, it's very rare that I get stumped for words, and on Sunday I got stumped for words. I was actually talking, and I was talking on um, Abraham, how the unknown known is in God. And we had just celebrated two 50th anniversary marriages in our church, and I was asking them, what's the best piece of advice that they could give to us younger ones? I'm not that much younger, but I am younger than, than what they are in 50 years. I think we've been married 27 years. And I was asking them, what, what's the best piece of advice? And I was asking the people, and I really should do an open mic. In a smaller group, you can, but in, in a church a bit bigger, you really shouldn't do an open mic. But I thought, you know what? I'm brave enough. I can do this. I taught in a bad boy's school. I can handle church people. So I said to them, what's the best piece of advice that you could give us for these younger people who are being married to stick with it? And then Craig, Nicholas' husband, shouted out, plenty sex. And I'm like, no! <laughs> I'm like, thanks, thanks, Craig. <laughs> Moving on to this other side. Somebody else has got something sensible to say. And then somebody else said, hey, be adventurous. And what he said, I'm like, no! <laughs> Gordon said to me, will you learn? Don't open up the mic to people. In the we had a really good Sunday. I should never have said that. So I have been married 27 years. I've been pastoring the church for 70 years. We took on the church after my father passed away. 
Jill, when you walk with your, under your anointing, with the mantle God's placed on you, God never says, hey, by the way, it's going to be an easy journey. Is that not true? When Abraham was stepping out to do what God had called him to do, he only knew the why, but he didn't know the how he was going to do it. Because it said he sat out there not having a scooby-doo where he was going. Okay, maybe I've just adapted the Bible verse out there. Joe, when God calls you to do something, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You may, not, you may know why you're doing something, but you may not have a scooby-doo how you're going to do it. Can anybody relate here? Who knows that God has got a call in your life? Do you know exactly how it's going to work out? God put a call on my life, and from a young girl, there's been prophets have come into a church, and they've always said, God's given you a voice to use. And you know, one of the things that I had to deal with was, six years ago, I got diagnosed with asthma, and I was struggling to breathe, and I'd get up to church on Sunday, and I'd be out of puff, and really struggling to get my breath, and I'm trying to preach, and I'm thinking, God, how can I preach? And then, my vocal cords, they got burnt away. And you know when they get that wee camera and they go down your, your nose and they have a wee look? And the consultant said to me, Fiona, your vocal cords are actually burnt away. He said, I don't know if this can be rectified. And I'm thinking, Jesus, 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 you've called me, you've called me, you've called me to speak your word, you've called me to preach, you've called me to be a pastor, I need my voice. And then I was down at the Hillsong's conference and Bill Johnson was talking and he was just, he's a very laid back dude and he just speaks the word of God. And he was talking about lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. And I was sitting beside Nicola. Lay your hands on me, Nicola. <laughs> I want to be prayed for. And although I couldn't really feel any difference, I was just sit, standing on his word. And he actually said, you know, you might not know that you're healed today, but you will know in the days to come. So that following Monday, I was actually back at the consultant. And the consultant lady actually put down the wee camera down my nose again. You know when you... And the wee nurse beside me went, Pastor Fiona. And I'm like, now's not the time. <laughs> she said, I was at the Gardine, which is where our church was meeting for six weeks. She said, it was brilliant. And you know, God spoke to me in that moment. That no matter the things that we go through, God's plans and purposes will still prevail. And then the next consultant I was at because I had to go to ear, nose and throat, and then I had to go to the voice coach and all these things. And when he said, he said, you know, you've been on um, basically the bleach of inhalers. He said it was the strongest type, and it wasn't making one whit of difference. So he took me off all inhalers, and he said, you don't have asthma. And he said, we, and I'm going to, I actually wrote it down. This is what he said, Fiona, he said, we will have whatever it takes attitude to get to the bottom of this. And I actually just started to cry. Fiona's pretty good at agreeing. <laughs> just like and he was talking over me like, it's okay, you're not going to die. And I'm thinking, it's not what you're saying, it's what God has just spoken to me. Fiona, you need to have a whatever it takes spirit to do what God's called you to do. You may have things you need to overcome. Like I was struggling with my breathing, my vocal cords had been burnt away. And yet when they put the camera down after I got prayed, they said, your vocal cords are completely normal. And I could only say, thank you, Jesus. You're my healer. You're my restorer. See, if God has called you to do something, no matter the things that you have to face and go through, you will still accomplish that, that God has called you to do. There should be a louder. Amen. You see, the woman with the issue of blood, she had to have a whatever it takes spirit in order to push through to reach Jesus. 
You see, she had to overcome the fear of rejection because she should never have been in that crowd of people because she was bleeding. But she had a whatever-it-takes attitude just to reach out to Jesus because she was desperate for her healing. We need to be desperate enough to do that. I don't care what other people think of me. I don't care what my reputation is because I want to reach out to Jesus and I want to be able to receive my healing. We have a whatever-it-takes attitude. We have a whatever-it-takes spirit because God has called you to do what God has called you to do, not what I have to do. But in order to do it, you will face opportunity or you will face stumbling block after stumbling block. But if we get stopped by these stumbling blocks, we'll stay in the outsides of the crowd and we'll say, Jesus may be over there, but I'll hang back here. The purposes that God's got for you to do, he's asking you, will you have a whatever-it-takes attitude? Who knows that God has placed within them greatness? Who knows God has got a plan and a purpose for your life? I mean, we all know that scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. But you know, God, I've got this person to overcome. I've got this problem. I need this healing. I need this amount of finances. But God says that he is the morning star. You see, the enemy can be called the morning star, and so can God be called the morning star. The difference is only Jesus is the bright morning star. The enemy is only an imitator of who God is. He's the one that will always bring a lie into you. You see, your mouth has the power to speak life or death over your marriage, over your calling, over your future is in your mouth. And you have that authority to speak over your future. You see, your words determine your harvest. Your filter determines your behavior. Our words determine our harvest and our filter determines your behavior. What do I mean by that? You see, if we have a filter of unforgiveness, we can actually behave in such a bitter way. If we can't forgive other people, unforgiveness just eats us within and we behave and we speak out bitterness. If we have filters of rejection, we actually behave in such a controlling way. Why? Because I won't be rejected again. Have you ever noticed that it's very difficult to be a friend of a lady who's dealing with a spirit of rejection? It's because they'll never quite allow you into their life. They've got to be in control and because they feel completely out of control, they never allow you to have an open door into their life. And they become a dangerous friend to have because there's a time where they will just lash out at you because you've hit my rejection button. And all you're doing is loving them. If you have a filter of shame, you actually become very self-destructive. If you have a filter of failure, you actually strive and strive and strive. And doesn't matter how much you do, how much you accomplish, you will always look at what you've done as being, I've not quite made it. Or we can have a filter of truth. And the filter of truth is what Jesus says, you are. Our filter of truth can actually block the words of God into our life. Or that our filter of our filter of sort of bitterness, our filter of rejection, our filter of shame can block the words of God over us. Or our filter of truth can actually allow God's word to come and actually pierce our hearts. It's what do we listen to? Our filters of bitterness, of heart, of shame, or our filters of truth. Because if we listen to the wrong filters, 
Whatever God says about you in the word of God will not actually filter through to you because your filters have actually blocked it. You see, God says in Matthew 7, he says, if your child comes and asks you for a loaf of bread, are you going to give him a stone? Do recently in our church we've set up a community fridge? Now, I know that Clara has been interested in setting up a community fridge here. And there was lots of people in our church who were saying, what are you doing that for? Why are you setting up a community fridge? And the one thing that Jesus always did was he fed people. Wherever he went, he fed people. Now, there is five love languages, but I do believe that the six, this is something Nicola taught me, that the sixth love language is actually food. <laughs> is that not true? How do you mix with people? Really easily go out for a cup of coffee. But we socialize, we mix, we connect over food and over coffee. So when we set up this community fridge, I mean, it's really, it's just the size of um, a container. And we have had uh, all these big superstores have given us an incredible amount of food. I've eaten out of Marquis for I don't know how many nights. I've not had to buy my lunch for the last six weeks that has been open. It's been great. We've had favor from the council. Today we met the head of the council and he said, basically, whatever you guys are doing, we would like to partner with you. And we're going, really? Because we set up a food, uh, a community fridge, it's not a food bank, it's a community fridge. So it's food that's going out of date and you can basically come in and you can just help yourself. And it's not just like stale food and moldy bread, it's actually really, really lovely food. And so whenever we've gone there, we've connected with people and they'll say, we're, we're just from the church across the road there. And they're like, really? And then we've put a gift boxes all around the big supermarket. So in other words, you can give any clothes that you're getting rid of or old lamps, anything, you could donate it. And we have a driver that goes around all these 30-odd boxes and just picks it all up. And then they feed them into all the different banks, whether it's the food bank, the clothes bank, the furniture bank, the, and they do the home starters for those who are homeless. And it's just an incredible way of getting the name of Jesus out there. Who are you? Who are you representing? What, why are you doing this? God loves you. God loves you. By the way, we've got some free food. Would you like some food? Do you know, it's connection into the world. Food works, clothes work. Joe, we were all standing in church, my whole family, and we realized we all looked down. We were all wearing something from the frock swap. Now, the frock swap is what we do. We're basically, we're pulling all these clothes. I mean, there's a, there, it's minging sometimes. It smells. And the girl who runs it, she kind of steam cleans them and hangs them all out, puts them, makes it look really, really lovely. And my 13-year-old daughter helps us on, I think, once a month, and she's got a great eye for clothes. And she goes like, Mom, I've got you this to wear. Dad, I got you a Ralph Lauren shirt. He's never worn a Ralph Lauren shirt in his life. And every one of my daughters were wearing clothes from the frocks. Well, I'm thinking we've had our food supplied, we've had our clothes provided. And it's given us an incredible connection into the community. Do you know, as a church, we don't always have to be talking about Jesus. We just need an open door. Would you like some food? God loves you. Have some food. And then this guy came in, he kind of worked out when all the food time and the food was coming in, and he was taking six bags of food. And the girl who runs it she said, Fiona, you're going to have to tell that man you can't take all that food. And I went, hey, buddy, what are you doing? And he said, oh, he says, I, I'm just supplying all the prostitutes, the ladies of the street. And I went, that's great, can I come with you? Why? Because I believe God is calling us to go out and connect with people who we wouldn't sit in church with. <laughs> because these people wouldn't come into the church so easily. So what do you do? You take what you can and you can get out there and you can connect with them. If we want to win people, we have to go to where they are. Are you with me? Okay, should I get back to this, this, um, this, this word? Do you know, I have a word here who, that um, I've actually really battled with all day. 
because it was a word that I was really struggling to bring. It was a word I brought to the church at, at the start of this year. And I just said, God, is this the word? And, and even when I was driving here, God, if you've got another word, I was sitting in worship. If you've got another word, I'll bring this other word. And God has, spoke, has just constantly said, this is the word for you. And I, was, I want to take you to a story in the Bible. And it's a huge, big chunk of scripture, but it's an incredible story in the Bible. And it's from the song, or sorry, from First Kings. It's all about Solomon. Is it going to go up here? I've named my talk, Take It to the King. And so I'm going to take it from 1 Kings 3, and it says this. It's when Solomon is asking for wisdom. Verse 5, it says, Lord appeared to him in a dream during the night, and God said, ask me for whatever it is you want for me to give you. Would that not just be great if God came to me, what you want? Or if you say in Dundee, what you want? What you want? What would go through your mind of all the things you would say, God, you know, I need this, I need this, I need this. Of course, Mr. Solomon's obviously way better than us. And he said, Verse 7, Lord my God, now you have made me your servant, king in my father's place, but I'm like a little child. I don't know how to do what must be done. <laughs> Can you relate? For the calling that God has placed upon you, God, I'm like a little child. I don't have a scooby what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. And I ask that you give me a heart that understands so that I can rule the people in the right way and I will know the difference between right and wrong. That's a pretty good prayer. Lord, help me to know the difference between what's right and wrong. Otherwise, it's going to be impossible to rule this great people of yours. Verse 12. God says, I'll give you wisdom and understanding that's greater than anyone else has had in the past or will ever have in the future. I'll also give you what you didn't ask for, riches and honor. During your life, there'll be no other king as great as you if you follow me and obey as your father David did. And further down that scripture, it says there's one day there was two women who were prostitutes came to Solomon and they stood before him. One of the women said, my master, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was right there with me. Do you know what that says to me? There was some connection between these two girls. You wouldn't give birth in front of anybody. You would only give birth beside somebody who you trust and you've got a a partnership with. Would you not say so? There was obviously a bond between these two women that they could give birth to somebody else or with somebody else. That didn't come out right. There was a close friendship there. Three days later, this woman also gave birth to a baby and no one else was in the house with us. It was just the two of us. One night, this woman, she rolled over on her baby and he died. So she took my son from my bed during the night while I was asleep and she carried him to her bed. Then she put the dead baby in my bed. The next morning when I got up to feed my baby, I saw that he was dead. And when I looked at him more closely, I realized, this isn't my son. No, the other woman cried, the living baby's my son and the dead baby's yours. But the first woman said, no, the dead baby is yours and the living one's mine. So the woman, they just argued before the king. Then King Solomon said, one of you says the son's alive and your son's dead. And the other one says, no, it's your son that's dead and my son's alive. The king sent his servants to get a sword. This is pretty drastic. Get me a sword. When they brought it to him, he said, cut the living baby in two and give each woman half. The real mother, the true mother of the living child was full of love for her son. So she said to the king, please, my master, Give the baby to her. But the other woman said, well, none of us will have this child then. Cut him in half. 
Then King Solomon said, don't kill him. Give the baby to the first woman because she is quite clearly the real mother. And when the people of Israel heard about the King Solomon's decision, they respected him very much. They saw he had wisdom from God to make the right decisions. Joe, you know, we can look at and read the story and we can think, well, thank God that wasn't me. But I, can I say that most of us have actually been in this situation. It may not have been over a dead baby, but have been over dead hope. These two women had very, very similar backgrounds. They were both prostitutes. They both had babies at the same time. There was a lot going. Th- there was a lot in common between these two women. But what it must have felt like for that one woman who woke up to find her baby dead. I don't know about you, but I know there's many women here who have experienced what it is like to lose babies or to lose loved ones. The grief that you feel within. I know that we f- we lost a few babies and the grief that you feel when you lose a child is immense. And yet God takes you through these seasons into healing. For all of us, I believe that we have all at some point rolled on our babies of hope, our babies of promise. And we have woken up in the morning and realized God, what you gave to me has actually died. I know that it's something as small as this. I had a real dream that God would give me a, a home for my, me and my, my family. And we were struggling to buy a home. It was during the boom time where people were putting in bids that were thousands over what houses were worth. And I had, I had put down, God, I, I want to have big windows. I just wanted the sun coming in. I wanted to see the river that's beside Dundee. And... God and you had told us that we needed to live in the boundary of Dundee, but we couldn't afford it. So I started to lessen my dreams and look somewhere that we could afford. And God said to me, trust me that I've got the best for you. So I was teaching at the time and we saw this house and Gordon had taken me around his house. And I went, Gordon, we just can't afford it. What's the point in taking me around his house, raising my hopes, there'll be plenty of other folk with loads of money and they'll just come and gazump us. So I'd gone back to teaching and I got a phone call in my classroom now. Keep in mind, I worked in a bad boy school and a phone call that came up in your classroom meant something seriously wrong had happened. And I got a phone call saying, your husband's on the phone. I'm like, what? I honestly thought my mother had died or something. (laughs) He said, Fiona, remember the house? Yeah. We've got the house. What? Could not believe it. And God said to me, would I trust him with something like a home? Now, I know home can be seen as a frivolous thing, but so often we can lessen our dreams and our hopes before God because we can't see it happening in the natural. But the things that God has given to you that you feel have actually died off, God wants to resurrect dead hopes tonight. That's what I believe God was showing me in this word today, that we can wake up in the middle of the night and feel like I have lost what you gave me, God. I've lost my purpose. I've lost a ministry. Because she did something. Now, how many of us breastfed during the night and actually fell asleep on the job? I know I did. Then there's times I'd wake up and go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, get the baby into the car. This woman did something, actually, that we've all probably done. It wasn't really her. She didn't intend for her baby to die. 
And I think we've all done things that we didn't intend for it to happen. But we can almost like come awake in the morning and think, my dream's died. The thing that God had asked me to do has actually died off. The other woman that woke up in the morning and she saw that her baby was dead. It wasn't until scripture says, it wasn't until in the morning light did she realize, this isn't my baby. Do you know what that says to me? Remember I said that God was a bright morning star? When we look at our dreams, our hopes, in the light of who God is, he will always reveal truth. It was in the middle of the night that that woman realized her baby was dead. In the morning light, when we look at things in the light of God's truth, we will see where God can resurrect that that we have lost. Hebrews 4 says this, that the great high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You may be saying there, Fiona, you're teaching the, your granny to suck eggs here. Do you know what I said to my church? I said, granny, suck on. Because the word of God is the truth and is the light. When we read the scripture, you could say that that's really for other people. That's for when you're grown up in school. But you know, when I know when I'm going through hard times and I go to the word of God, I always say, God, give me a word that's going to bring truth into my situation. How often does God speak to you just by reading his word? so much or going to ask somebody else would you just pray for me but when the word when you're reading the word of god let it find soil that's going to receive the word of god that's able to grow in your life because the king will always reveal truth the word of god will always reveal his truth i want to go to my second point because my first point is go to the king where the truth will be revealed when we know our hopes or our dreams or our calling has died off and we have woken up and we realize I've lost it, then when we go to our king, our heavenly king, he will reveal his truth. My second point is this. Sin will always seed sin. James 1.14 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You see, unrepented and unacknowledged sin just doesn't stop where it's at. It will always grow and it will always multiply. When we look at that mother whose baby had first died, her sin actually multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Because first of all, she accidentally killed her child. Now, that wasn't a sin. That was just really, really sad. But then she didn't own up to what had happened. What she did was she tried to cover it up. How often have we had a sin issue in our own life and we try to cover it up? I know I once got stopped by the police for speeding. And when he said to me, and what's your occupation? I'm like, oh. I had three of my kids in the back and I had my niece who's 30 and she's also a pastor and I'm thinking, I've got caught speeding. And I'm thinking, do I cover it up that I'm a pastor or do I tell them that I'm a, I'm a business owner? Because I, I do that too. 
And I had to say, um, I'm a pastor, and I got caught speeding. He kind of looked at me like, well, you should know better. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're right, I should know better. And I said to my girls, and I went, girls, I got caught. <laughs> it's really rather embarrassing, isn't it? I could have just covered that whole thing up. I'll tell you another thing that I did. This is, this is probably confessions of a pastor. I, w- I was driving from St. Andrews towards Dundee, and St. Andrews is a real windy road. And um, there was a car, we were all nose to tail, nose to tail, all the way into Dundee. And this car was, when I got to the dual carriageway bit, do you know the bit that just as you're coming into Dundee, there's only one section of dual carriageway. And of course, everybody who wants to get past gets out into the outside lane, and they're trying to tame it down. And I was in the outside lane, and this guy's like flashing me, flashing me, like, move over, move over. And like, if I could just give me a, a moment, I'll get in, I'll let you pass. So as I'm letting him, but I'm trying to get in, but I couldn't quite get in. So I got onto the bridge by this time. And there's two lanes on the bridge. I'm like, well, if I could just get past, I will. So eventually, I was just about to move in when the guy behind me pulled right in, and he pulled right in front of me. And then he slammed his brakes on hard. And I just about went into the back of him. I'm like, you stupid idiot. You just about took me out. Does anybody else do this when they're driving? <laughs> Or you in church, you would never admit to such a thing. I was so mad with my pull over your car. I want to have a You just about took me off this bridge. And so eventually I pulled to the side of him like, pull over, pull over. And he's kind of looking at me. Then he started to laugh. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? And I turned around to my girls. And they're like giving him fingers I wouldn't actually approve of. I'm like, get your fingers down right now. I can't believe that you've just done that. Wait till I get home, tell your father what you've done. I can't believe he's just done that. And they're like, wait till we tell dad what your attitude's been like. <laughs> and then my 16-year-old says, what are you going to say if he turns up to, to church on Sunday? He says, oh, hello, Pastor Fiona. I saw, you ch- I saw you on the bridge during the week. I'm like, oh. you see, our sin can multiply. <laughs> That's only one example I've got of my own life. <laughs> this woman covered up the death of her baby. She then went to steal another baby. She then lied in front of a king and she was happy to see that baby be cut in half. You see, sin multiplies and gets worse. You tell one lie, then you have to tell another lie to cover that one up, and then you have to tell an even bigger lie to cover that one up. You see, if we do not allow the spirit of truth to reign within us, sin actually becomes an entanglement in our life that we are happy to destroy other people. You see, if my life's going to be ruined, then I'm going to see other people's lives be ruined. And it was the king that brought truth into the situation. Do you know, if we need to repent of sin, and I know I do often, believe me, God, forgive me, forgive me of my attitude, forgive me what I'm thinking, forgive me, oh God, because I need to be right before you. Sometimes we just need to get right back down to basics and say, God, forgive me, <laughs> because I don't want to wake up to a dead baby. I want to cleanse myself, and I want to be right before you. My third point is this. How do we, or sh- no, I won't go there. Let me go to this point here. I was going to say this, how do we stop sin multiplying? What did David do when he stopped sin multiplying? Because we know what David did. David had a great call of God in him. Remember, he got into adultery, and then his son died, and then he got into covering it up, and then it just went from bad to worse, and then he managed to get another man be killed, be murdered because of his actions. His sin went from bad to worse. He said this in in Psalm 19. He said, people can't see their own mistakes, This is why we need good friends that will actually point out the blind spots, right? He said, forgive me for my secret sins and keep me from the sins of pride. Don't let them rule me. 
then I can be pure and innocent of the greatest sins. May my words and thoughts please you, Lord, because you are my rock and the one who saves me. Joe, we need to be people who ask God, expose the jealousy within me. The reason why that lady wanted the other person's baby to be killed was because she had extreme jealousy in her that somebody else had something that I actually want. Do you know, sin can cause us to make decisions we wouldn't normally make. It causes us to go and date other people that are not walking with God. It can cause us to treat God's people like we wouldn't have done beforehand. It can cause us to swap out babies, life for death. We do things that we wouldn't have done previously. Why? Because we've let a landing strip in our life. We've, we've allowed the devil to have a landing strip in our life because of our sin issues. The third point I want to say is this, is use the sword of wisdom. The king said to me, get a sword. Now that to me seems rather harsh. It's like the world today is, you know, when we say God has said there's only man and woman, there's not any other types of sex and you can't swap over your sex. That's what the word of God says. He created us man and woman. And when the world is saying like there's 72 different types of sexuality and you can be whoever you want one day to the next, do you know what we're doing? We're saying, get me a sword. Because the sword actually brings a truth. The sword can divide between sin and truth. Can divide between your deceit and God's truth. And you need to have the sword of the spirit. And you need to have the attitude of God, bring me the sword of truth into my situation. Because we can one day wake up with a dead baby beside us. And for others, you can feel like, God, my baby has been robbed from me. Do when God gave me this word, I was going through a period where I just felt like, God, really, should I be pastoring? We can all go through seasons where you think, God, the call of God that you had for me was actually for that past season. But one thing God said to me was, there's women in this room who feel like they have woken up to a dead baby. Because God has already given and placed within you ministries and callings. But because you got so exhausted with life, and life takes over, issues that we've got to face, deaths, pain, emotional trauma. I know that Pastor Jimmy and Alma took us through a season in our life and probably still are, where I've called them up in complete tears, gone, what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong here? And Jimmy will say, it's all right, pal. You, you'll be okay. You'll get through it. You're doing okay. And I felt like my baby of being a pastor had actually died, and I thought it was my own fault. And it probably was, because I'd rolled over in the middle of the night because I got so exhausted with dealing with life issues. And I just phoned up Jimmy. <laughs> Gordon was there, I was in the car, and I was sitting outside the church, and I was just crying, crying. I'm going, what am I doing wrong? It's all right, pal. You can hear your pastor saying that. So what he says, it's all right, pal. We need somebody that says, it's all right, pal. <laughs> you may feel like you've rolled over on your dead baby. But God is the God with the resurrecting spirit that bring back to life. We don't need to go and steal somebody else's ministry or steal somebody else's dream or steal somebody else's hopes. 
Because what God gave to you, he will always resurrect. And that's my word tonight. Because I believe there's all of you are coming up with things in your mind. Do you know what? This died off. For me, it was actually my creativity. My first degree was doing an art school. And then when we went into pastoring, I then went to teaching, and then I went into pastoring, and I did theology, because I needed to learn more of the word of God. And I felt like my creativity had died. And then a pastor from another church said to me, Fiona, God's going to resurrect your creativity again. Do you know that that has died off from the past? God is saying it's time to resurrect it again. It can be friendships. It can be a business. It can be a ministry. You see, I believe this church has taken a pace thing in recent time. And you can feel like, God, I've just rolled over and I've killed off something that I thought you'd called me to do. But it feels like it's just died. Which I'm going to ask you to do tonight, girls. Ladies, take it to the king. Because I want to minister over you tonight to say God wants to resurrect some babies here tonight. Are you with me? Can we all pray? Is there any chance you could put some worship music on? I'm also going to ask Nicola. She's going to come in a minute and she's going to pray over you. But Father, we recognize where we have been exhausted with life. Women who work hard. Women who deal with so much pain. Women who bring up children, who run businesses, who work, who clean the house, who serve in the house of God. We can take pasting after pasting until the point we're so tired with feeding others, so tired with feeding our babies that we can fall asleep and we can almost roll over on top of that that you gave to us. And Father, I'm praying, oh God, for a spirit of resurrection. That resurrected Christ, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus, lives in us. And I'm asking, oh God, for those women who have rolled on top of hopes, of responsibilities, of friendships, of ministry and they feel oh God like they've just killed it off unintentionally I ask oh God that you would resurrect that dream again resurrect that marriage those who have woken up again and they just feel like God I'm just lying beside a dead baby Father we don't want to go further down into disappointment or further down into deceit. But Father, let it be that that calling, that purpose, that marriage, that friendship, that you would resurrect the life in that marriage again. Father, let your woman have a whatever-it-takes attitude to seek you out, the God of all truth, the, our King, who is our restorer, our healer, our redeemer. Let it be, O oh God, that we are the ones that will seek you, like that woman with the blood issue, Lord, that she would push through to do something different to get right to the foot of Jesus. 
Because when we're at the feet of Jesus, Lord, that we can receive our healing. Our healing, oh God, where we have just bled out. Our healing, oh God, where we have rolled on top of our ministries and killed off what you've given to us. Father, let not the filters of anger or rejection or bitterness or shame, oh God, block the, this, the word of truth that can only come from you, from your word, from your voice, oh God. Father, may your anointing rest upon us to bring your healing. Father, where those women who know, Lord, that they've kept hidden sin that seems to have grown and grown, where seed has been sown in their life, that sin issues have just got worse. Take this opportunity just to say, God, forgive me, cleanse me, purify me. Because God is always in the business of forgiving and of healing. For those of you who feel like your call is just way bigger than what you can handle, like Solomon did, and he just said, give me your wisdom, O oh God. Because there's, there's women in here who God has called you to be in business and in the community, being a voice of truth wherever you go. And you've said, God, I can't work in the government office. I can't work in an unpromoted post. But God is saying, he is going to give you the spirit of all truth and the spirit of wisdom. Where you have rolled over on your career and killed off because of exhaustion of life. God is saying, I want to resurrect it again. Because you're not just a mother. You're not just now a mother whose children have moved on and what else can you do? Do you know the sword of truth is in your hand is more powerful than what you could ever hope or imagine. Because God wants to use this church not just as a rescue center for those who've been caught in the fire in the physical, but as a rescue center for those who've been caught in the fire in the spiritual. This is a place that is actually a rescue center. You are rescuing those women who have been caught in the fire of life, caught in the fire of, of bad marriages. Father, may your anointing rest upon these women. May they know who they are in you. Father, resurrect babies again that have died off, hope that has died off. And Father, may they know that when they go to the king of truth, that he will be their bright morning star that says, I will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Sometimes we say, God, I just want a floodlight ahead. But God is saying, no, one step at a time. Because he is the God of the unknown known. You will know your why, but you may not know your how. But when we know our why and we walk step by step, God will take you to places. God will open doors. God will give you the voice to speak. God will give you the things to speak in meetings that you find yourself sitting in. Father, I bless. I bless your women. I bless your daughters. I bless the marriages. I bless the families. I bless this church. I bless the ministry that flows out of this church in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask Nicola. Jonathan. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Father, thank you that we are before the king, the king of kings. And those dreams that we've carried, that, that have been conceived, that we've carried and we've given birth to, Lord, we lay them before you. And Father, we just 
we thank you for them. Lord, we want to nurture them. We want to feed them. And Father, just like Fiona has shared tonight, that Father, we are, Lord, we have killed them off for, for whatever reasons, where we have let them die off. Lord, we look to you as the living hope, that resurrection life, that Jesus who overcame death and the grave, and he is our living hope because he lives, he's alive forevermore. And we look to him. We look to him. And ladies, I just want to do something tonight. Those two women, just as Fiona said, those two women live together, work together, were in that home together. But when it came to their babies, there was a point in the finger, there was a, they were against one another. And what I'd like you to do tonight, I just really believe, I want you to, to find a woman and share what is it that God has spoken to you tonight, not with a blame and with a, uh, you know, coming to the king in conflict, but you're going to come in unity. And you're going to pray over one another, and you're going to pray life into one another, life into your babies, life into your dreams where you need to um, seek for that life-giving hope in one another, women to women. I just, I just have a real sense we're going to come in the opposite of what those two women did. And we're going to come in unity and we're going to pray over, we're going to pray life into um, where you have felt that you've killed off your dream or where you feel that dream has been robbed from you where you've woken up and it's, being, it's gone and you don't know how, how it was taken. So there, there are two things there, isn't there? There's those dreams that you've let die and there's those dreams that you felt have been robbed and you're going to pray together in unity over one another. So just, just stand, find someone that you can just hold, love, pray over in unity and just play life over one another, resurrection life into those dead or lost dreams. I pray in Jesus' name.